Ayurvedic teacher and registered nurse, Amy Pruitt. I'm therapeutic yoga teacher, Lisa Dumas. We named this podcast, The Radiant Warrior, because we all feel like we're at war with ourselves sometimes. And we need support to learn from our challenges and expand to the next version of who we are becoming. And for us, the practices that we've drawn from the wisdom traditions of Ayurveda and yoga bolster us in the real world challenges we face in our lives as women, mothers, daughters, and friends. Ayurveda's simple guidance helps us cultivate enhanced radiance and vitality. And the skills we've acquired from therapeutic yoga soothe an anxious mind and body, inviting contentment and connection to the part of us that isn't afraid. The Radiant Warrior podcast is yoga, Ayurveda, and real talk to reclaim a courageous heart. We're so grateful to all of you for your responses and reviews. Reviews are a wonderful gift to a podcaster because it helps us grow and become visible to more people. A great way to tell us you value the show is by heading to the iTunes app to subscribe and to offer us a five-star rating. We appreciate you. We're nearing the end of the first week of a brand new month. Happy October, Amy. Happy October. I like to consider what's new, what's beginning at the beginning of a new month. So that's my first question for you today. What's beginning and is there anything that's ending? (laughs) Um, So much is beginning. So I have new classes that are beginning at the studio and... We have our new online program, A Radiant Year, that we've just launched, Mm -hmm. and it feels like so many things are beginning right now. So many things at work, and we're getting ready to move. You just moved. So yeah, lots and lots and lots of beginnings right now. I agree. Same thing. Because when we move, it's an opportunity to really purge. I can speak to endings and beginnings, said goodbye to just a lot of stuff, right? I can't wait to do that. Mm -hmm. Well, my husband and I are just a few months away from our daughter wanting to go off and launch into college. And so we've been starting to think about what's next for us. And we're beginning to create a little bit more freedom so that we're ready for what's next by starting the process of letting go and clearing out closets and donating so many things and just having less stuff to weigh us down. So that's my ending for beginning. Yeah, the same thing. There's so much new when it comes to the program that we have launched. There's a a lot of new infusion of um, work and time management into my life, but it's all exciting. And then I did want to speak about, I'm really feeling here anyway, in my part of the world, the ending of summer and the beginning of fall. And I'm, I can feel a little bit of resistance that a part of me just really isn't ready to feel cold. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. I've been noticing that I've been having resistance to some of the changes and transitions that have been going on around me lately. And it's been a practice to remind myself that everything is temporary, that there's very little that I can control besides how I choose to think about things. 
but I have been noticing. I have been attached and wanting to cling to summer. And every time the sun comes out from behind the clouds here in Vancouver, I'm out there. <laughs> if, yeah. if, if I can get out in the sun, if I can work in a little slice of sunshine, like a cat laying in the warmth, I'll go and find it. Yeah, I agree with the the feeling of wanting to hang on to summer. I don't particularly love summer. I don't like all that heat, but I hate the cold. Like I loathe it. And there's a dread that I have knowing that winter's coming, even though I've lived here my whole life. I I haven't ever moved, you know, for long stretches like to Florida or somewhere you, that I would go. There is that idea like, oh, winter's coming. And I know they even said that in like Game of Thrones, right? Like <laughs> winter's coming. Yeah, it's full of dread. Yeah. And we do this every year, right? And somehow we survive it and we emerge. But I think part of it too is we don't change or don't allow ourselves to change our way of living in the winter. We continue on as if it's summer. Well, and that was something that I just did that I think was helpful is I changed my closet around. So it's all of the sweaters and it's all of the scarves. You'll be happy to know. Last episode, scarves. you talked about wearing scarves as a fall practice. Yes, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> so I'm ready. I'm ready in many ways. And, you know, I know a lot of our listeners don't feel the same because they're looking forward to the winter months and some of the winter sports that they take part of. Um, here in British Columbia, you know, it's going to be ski season soon. And so many clients and friends and family members are very into that. And when I lived more in the Okanagan, there's a, an Olympic level cross country ski course up there called Lake Sovereign that is gorgeous. So I'm not saying that there isn't some things to look forward to when it comes to the colder months. But just in general, what I'm resistant of is just even in this moment, you know, sitting in this room, there's a bit of a chill in the air, my feet are cold, I've got slippers and socks on. <laughs> That's the part that I don't look forward to. I'm getting a little bit more sensitive to the cold as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. As we enter that Vata time of life, we become much more attuned to those conditions around us and in us. Yeah, we talk about the doshas a lot, but maybe we haven't said that even though everybody includes all three doshas within their systems, the doshas are also attributed to nature, but to the stage of life that we're in. So when we're, what is it, a newborn, toddler through childhood, we're kappa, right? It's mm -hmm. very moist and <laughs> congested. Mucusy. <laughs> yeah, it's very mucusy and and just like robust and you know, babies before they walk. Yes, all of that. Yes. And then we they move into our, our 20s and it's about you know, creating our life. So it's the fire of Pitta. It's driven, it's manifesting. Yeah. And then as we move into later life, whether it's towards menopause or retirement or the wisdom years, we move into the Vata stage of life. Yeah, things are a bit drier. And that's when Ayurveda is such a powerful practice, actually, to add in components that help us feel warm. And you've talked a lot about the warm oil massage here that's so comforting at this time of year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, any way that you could 
recognize your connection and be a little less resistant to nature. Like we're being resistant right now. And don't be like us. <laughs> don't be like us. Don't be so resistant, but to put the scarves on, eat the warming food, do the grounding practices. It's just makes such a huge difference at this time of year and at this stage in life for anybody at any stage of life, but for us, especially who are in the Vata time of life, we're going to feel these qualities even more. And all of these practices that we talk about throughout the episodes can be standalone practices, or they can be tools and skills that you're reaching for as a micro practice throughout the day. That's what we'd like to share with you today on this episode is Amy and I across the miles had very similar days yesterday, as I know a lot of our listeners are in this place too. I, I hate to, to I hate to say the word busy because I feel like the more we talk about being busy, the more we just attract thoughts of how busy we are and the more we uh, attract that kind of lifestyle. But every once in a while, it's just very true. We look at the day ahead of us and there's a lot to complete. There's a lot of work to be done. There are a lot of tasks that we need to do to get through this life. So why don't you share your day and how the practices that you teach were there for you? All right. Well, yesterday was a day. I was reflecting back on yesterday and and typically Wednesdays are my fullest day of the week, just by nature of what all I have scheduled. But yesterday was especially prolonged. I was looking back and I woke up yesterday at 2.30 in the morning. And part of that is this, uh, this feeling that I have with the fall coming. I can tend to be, I can sleep lighter and wake up easier. And I wouldn't say it's insomnia, but it's definitely not the deep sleep that I, I am usually so grateful for. So I woke up at 2.30. And typically when I work at the hospital, I wake up at 3.45. So this wasn't super early from what time I was going to wake up, but it was you know a good hour, hour and a half. Um, so I just got up because I knew going back to sleep until 3.45 was probably going to make me feel worse. And I kind of entered my day that way. I did some of my usual practices in the morning. And then I was at the hospital by 4.45. And I worked all day at the hospital until 5 p.m. And then immediately rushed to the studio because I had a Reiki session booked with one of our amazing practitioners there. And so I did have a luxurious hour of Reiki with one of the practitioners there. And then as soon as that was over, I taught yoga for an hour and a half. So maybe an hour and 15 minutes. So from 7 to 8.15, I taught yoga. And then after that, I did the payroll for the studio. So I did payroll until about 9.30. And then I was still at the studio at 9.30. And cleaning up, doing, you know, some things around there that needed attending to. And then I drove home, did some of my nighttime practices and was in bed about 1030. So my day yesterday stretched from 2, 2.30 in the morning until about 1030 at night. 
I was reviewing how I felt at the end of the day because I was like, wow, wow, like that was a long day. And at the end of the day, must say I didn't feel depleted or exhausted or overwhelmed as I would think I would feel after a 20-hour day. I was discussing that with you and I was discussing that with one of our practitioners at the studio just really marveling in how I was able to make it through a 20 hour day and not feel like I was just going to drop, um, from pure exhaustion. Mm -hmm. And I was looking back and I was using all the practices that you and I offer our students and our listeners. I have a really, I have a foundation in the morning that I use, um, in Ayurvedic wisdom. So I, in the morning, I, drink hot water in the morning and it helps to set the tone for me drinking hot water. It grounds me. It warms me up. It enlivens my digestion. So I start to get a little hungry and it just is like this warm hug from the inside out. So just drinking plain hot water for me is much more than hydration. It from a mental standpoint and from a subtle body standpoint, it really does feel so comforting and so nurturing to drink hot water in the morning. And then I run through my Ayurvedic practices, such as like scraping my tongue, oil pulling. I do use some rose water in the morning, and that is a practice that really wakes me up. It energizes me just splashing rose water on my face or spritzing it on my face. And then if I'm feeling exceptionally dry, I'll actually use a eye cup and dilute some rose water in it and um, use the eye cup on my eyes to pour the rose water into my eyes. Mm -hmm. That's such a soothing, cooling practice. I, I can't recommend it enough. And then another thing that I did yesterday was I ate at regular meal times. Mm-hmm. I didn't skip any meals. I ate breakfast, I ate lunch, and I ate dinner. And I made sure that the foods that I were eating were very intentionally nurturing food. So I ate soups and breads and and foods that grounded me in a way where my schedule felt very busy and overwhelming, but taking just 20 or 30 minutes to step out of that routine and sit down and eat my food quietly helped to provide those little spots during the day that could allow a little bit of a reset. And then I know that having an hour long Reiki session is not always accessible to everybody, but an hour of your day for something that's entirely for you Mm If you think about that, we have 24 hours in the day. And if we just take one hour, maybe not every day, but often enough, that's only 5% of your day. And when you look at it that way, 5% of your day to devote entirely to you, whether it's a yoga class or going to the gym or taking a long walk. Now, we're talking about micro practices and that I wouldn't consider a micro practice because it is an hour, but it's still only 5% of your day. Mm-hmm. So if you could work those sessions in, in some way, something that you enjoy. But for me yesterday, it was Reiki. I had a Reiki session with a powerful 
talented practitioner at the studio. And this was on what our, I don't even know, 15, 16, 17 of my day, somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. And then after I left the Reiki session, I taught class last night at the end of my day. So I taught a new class to brand new beginners to yoga, which is my passion. And because it's my passion, I love it. I love seeing people come in and take a chance to do something that they've never done before. Maybe they feel like it's not for them, whether it's age or body type or, you know, body ability. And I just think they're the bravest, most courageous, inspiring students. And it was such an honor to be able to share that time with them. And then after that, I did the payroll for the studio. And while that might feel uninspiring, I was having moments doing payroll as I thought about each teacher, as I was writing out their check and how grateful I am for them and that I'm part of a community that's thriving and feeling grateful to be able to pay them. You know, that was, that was in itself a practice for me to, to stop and think that this community supports people's livelihood, that the walls that we've created in that studio are building and sustaining a community. And I found myself at the end of doing the payroll and cleaning up I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to leave the studio. I just wanted to hang out there a while longer. And even though my day was coming up on like a 20 hour day of being awake and away from home for most of it, I was doing things that I loved and that were inspiring to me and that supported me. And I'm grateful for that. And I think when you do things that are in line with your true nature, you can find that energy and you can find that momentum to keep you going. And not that I want to have a 20 hour day every single day. I don't, I don't think that's sustainable either, but if you are doing things that you love, you might find that you get lost in time and you're able to do things you never thought you'd be able to do because they are in alignment with your true nature. And you're doing the practices that are supporting you to provide little periods of rest throughout the day. I think that's so important that you don't go out and try to kill yourself and think that that's going to, you know, sustain you for very long. But having these little micro practices throughout the day, like being intentional with your food, like pausing for a moment of gratitude, like connecting to nature, whether it's even through a window or through your car window as you're driving from one place to another to notice the beauty around you and have those little moments throughout your day. Oh, yeah. And what I'm hearing you say is because not every single activity that you did was something that would have necessarily brought joy without intention. But it sounds to me like you were also very present throughout the day and you were making choices about where to place your mind. Whereas we might live a day like that where we haven't gotten enough sleep. And so immediately our mind would go into the thoughts of lack around, 
oh, I didn't get enough sleep. Now I'm going to be tired. You know, our brains work like computers. When we insert one of those negative thoughts, we can have a dozen more just like that. And before long, we feel overwhelmed. And I'm hearing you say that you made a choice of, you know, I'll, I'll get up now and you use the extra time to practice the self-care rituals that are already embedded in your schedule. And that's what we work with our clients and our students and offering those one by one. So you saw that as an opportunity. And because you stopped at those regular intervals to be present when you ate and feel the warmth and the grounding nature of the food entering into your systems and balancing you rather than eating on the run or eating standing up, it feels like you took just enough time to bring in more prana, to bring in more vitality and vibrance rather than allowing it to be drained and taking your break perhaps. And it, I don't mean this in a judgmental way, but a lot of us, if we have a little space in the day, we'll pick up our phone just to check it out, just to check in with our messages. And before we know it, a half an hour or 40 minutes has gone by and we've just sort of been mindlessly scrolling because you know we get uh, a response within our systems that that keeps us scrolling. Like it's it's really hard for us to put the phone down. It's not necessarily our fault. But if you notice sometimes when we make that choice, again, not talking about right or wrong, it's just a different choice, we'll feel more depleted afterwards because that is depleting. Our prana and our energy is like going into the phone. We can think of it that way. You made the choice yesterday where you were present, you were with your body. And I've always believed and found for myself that if I'm practicing being right here, right now, even in the midst of a hectic schedule, I feel like I can be more on the flow and I feel this wellspring of energy and vitality that's available to me that I can draw from. And one thing that I loved that you commented on is how you were practicing the art of appreciation while you were paying people. I'm not sure if we've talked about that here before, but that is a great practice to do with our money. You know, how often do we open up our wallet in the line at the grocery store and look at the cost of those grapes and, and, and take an inhale in and feel like, oh, they're so expensive. But it's a nice flip of the switch for the mind to think, oh, I'm so appreciative that I have the prosperity and abundance in order to get these groceries for my family, in order to have a full fridge of food. And then you were speaking about living your dharma as well. Half of what you do in your life, running your studio, Radiant Yoga and Wellness in Columbus, and teaching beginners, which you said that's your passion, that gives you energy rather than depleting you, even though you are offering your prana out in the form of teaching you're being fed because it's your purpose you know it's it's that's what dharma means you are following the path that you found serves you so i love that story and it's a really good example of how making choices with the very tiny spaces that we might have within a busy schedule can help to support us and make us feel better at the end of that day. This episode is brought to you by A Radiant Year, 
Our monthly program that sends you a class that we create for you every week, offering therapeutic yoga and Ayurveda skills to support you in practicing real self-care. We design these classes to help you integrate simple and powerful tools into your life to help you move worry and overwhelm and cultivate more contentment and vitality. Enrollment opens next on December 6th for you to join us for a radiant winter. It's your chance to gather tools to feel more vibrant and at peace during the shorter days and cooler weather. We'll begin on winter solstice. Learn and grow with us seasonally or yearly. Head to aradiantyear.com to get on the wait list. So what's so funny, because you and I didn't have a chance to talk yesterday, clearly, is my day was very similar, and I was exploring the same idea. Even thinking that we might talk about this today, I was even going to send you a text and say, I know you're really busy today. What would it be like if you practice all your practices in between your thing? We can talk about that tomorrow. And So we must be somehow linked because that's what you did. You proved to yourself that this stuff works. And that's what I'd like to share today as well. My day yesterday wasn't about having to run several different places as usual. It was a day that I set aside because I had a day of work on the computer. I had many writing assignments to complete. I had many clients to send their session notes to. I had some homework for yoga therapy school to complete. I had a big list and yesterday was my day to scratch one thing off at a time. And I also love to write. I love to write content for our program, A Radiant Year. I love to plan for these podcasts and the classes that I teach and the sessions that I offer to my private clients. Again, I feel like I'm really in my dharma when I am sitting down at the computer. But sitting for hours and hours at a time, that's not great for anyone. Anyone who has an Apple Watch, you know, it's telling you (laughs) to stand up every 20 minutes or whatever because that's not great for us. And I forced myself yesterday because when you're writing and you love to write and create, it's hard to get up. You know, it's, you don't want to interrupt the flow, but I was intent on staying present with my body and noticing when I was starting to feel really uncomfortable or noticing when I had to go and take care of a human moment, noticing when I was hungry, noticing when I was thirsty. And I made this conscious decision okay, this is a day where I'm going to be in this chair looking at this screen for hours. Regularly, I'm going to practice these mini practices and notice the difference. So my mini practices were also kind of funny. Like one of my practices yesterday was spending real quality time with our puppy Bowie. Mm, Bowie. Yeah, she was just curled up next to me as I was writing and when I noticed that my thoughts were wandering and I was feeling some fatigue, I closed the computer. I would take my six deep breaths. To me, we can always receive six deep breaths in the spaces in our day, in the spaces in between. When we get into the car before we're running off to the next errand or to pick up the kids, when we're on our way home from work, you know, before we start the car, taking a seat and receiving those six long, deep breaths with the intention of transitioning, of moving into right here, right now, and to tapping into what is right here, right now? How am I feeling? Am I hungry? What's my mental space like? Where am I emotionally? And embracing that, embracing that right here. And as you said, 
when we're present, time seems to slow down and we worry less about our lack of time and our lack of energy and our lack of sleep. So that was my practice is many deep breaths and then enjoying my dog, spending time with her and rubbing her belly. And she was just, she was just loving it. And I felt all of this love well up in my body because when we're sitting for a long time, we can feel stuck and stagnant. We need to move. So that was one of my practices. And I made sure in my next break that I got myself out in nature and with intention. I wasn't simply walking, thinking about the next thing that I needed to write, which I tend to do. I can use walks to feel inspired and and to make choices about my projects. But in this case, I wanted to rest my mind and I wanted to invigorate my body. And we don't give walks, I feel, enough respect. It's such a great way to move our body. Um, Most of us can do it. Most of us can find the time for even a 20-minute walk after lunch or before dinner or after dinner. And it can be a real game changer to separate the day with purpose and to open up our hearts, connecting with nature and the fresh air. It does remind us in some way and in some level that we're connected more to the flow of life than we are our Instagram feeds or the work we have to do on our screens. Yeah, for sure. I I like how you said how we can get lost in the screens. You know, we're just checking an email real quick or we're just popping onto Instagram and then 20, 30, 40 minutes, an hour could go by and and how that has sucked maybe some of our energy out. And if we could go back and maybe not get sucked down the Instagram rabbit hole or into the emails and use that time, like you said, taking a 20 minute walk. What a, what a game changer. Mm -hmm. Totally. Mm -hmm. Actually, speaking of scrolling, I want to go back to our self-inquiry at the beginning of this podcast. That's something that is ending for me. I no longer scroll in the morning. And in fact, I did this a long time ago. I've turned off all the notifications of all my social media and my email. That doesn't mean that I'm not going to be receiving emails or I'm not going to be seeing messages that come in to me on the various different platforms that I'm involved in, but I'm choosing. I'm choosing when I have the space and when I have the energy to really be present with each of those communications and when I have the space to get back to them. So that is something that's been a powerful change in my life. Instead of checking in first thing in the morning, I make sure that I leave space to take care of myself, even if it's 15, 20 minutes, and take care of the other people and the animals that uh, I'm responsible for in my life. And then when there is the space, when it's time for it, I'll open up my phone because then I don't feel like it's depleting me. I feel like I'm making a strong choice. In the past, when I've opened up my phone just at random times out of a habit, oh, I have a minute, oh, I'm, I'm eating this apple, why don't I just scroll while I'm eating? I have noticed that I feel incredibly drained. I've even looked in the mirror afterwards and, you know, my eyes, they seem really glassy and I, I just, the, the, the difference between how we look, let's say, not in a superficial way, but in this pranic, alive, vital way, the difference between how we look 
after a walk or spending time with somebody we love or an animal we love or post-yoga class and post-scrolling for 40 minutes, it's, it's, it's extreme. It mm-hmm. is. And, mm-hmm. and I notice that. I notice that I get a dull headache. I notice that I just don't feel as good, body, mind, and heart, when I am um, lured into the scroll. So yesterday, I made that strong decision to keep the phone off. And some other things that I did, they're a little bit funny, you know, because I was sitting for so long, and I didn't necessarily have time for a long walk. I just got up and I stretched and I jumped around and I shook out that stagnant energy until I felt a little bit more alive. And same thing, I I was working from home yesterday. So when it was time to eat, at regular intervals, I made sure that even though I had only time to have something quick, that I sat quietly and enjoyed it. I didn't put on a podcast. I didn't look at my emails while I was eating or read anything. I just needed to rest my eyes because they were looking at a screen. And I think a lot of us can relate with that. So many of us have jobs where that's what we're doing for eight hours. We're just sitting there looking at that light. So what can we be doing every 20 minutes, every 40 minutes that takes no more than three, four, five minutes, but is going to feed us with increased prana. Yeah. Yeah. How often do people sleep with their phones? You know, they take their phones to bed with them and they can say, well, it's my alarm clock. I need it because, you know, it's my alarm clock. But then I think that perpetuates that scrolling. As soon as your eyes open up, you grab your phone, you look at your notifications, you check your email, or if you roll over in the middle of the night, you go to grab your phone, see what time it is, and you see there's a notification. People who struggle with sleep, that can be a real barrier to good quality sleep already. And then you add the phone and now you've been scrolling in the middle of the night even. And moving the phone away from your bed, so where you can't unconsciously reach for it first thing in the morning or in the middle of the night can be a huge game changer. Putting it across the room or even outside your door, which can feel very unnerving or scary. You know, I've had clients say to me, what about an emergency? What if I have an emergency? What if I get a phone call? but it's my alarm. Well, we do have alarm clocks. They do exist. You know, they were invented a long time ago and they still work. And so having a clock maybe that you can see instead of your phone can stop some of that unconscious scrolling, especially around waking and sleeping. And, and then seeing if you could put the phone out of your reach, like you said, you turn off all your notifications, you put the phone away. I find myself doing it, scrolling unconsciously, and I'll take my phone and put it in a drawer and shut the drawer. And it has to be like out of sight, out of mind mm-hmm. for me to, to you know, rebuild that muscle of not having the phone be just another body part to you, like just having it attached to you all the time. And my hack for first thing in the morning, because I do admit I like to listen to guided yoga nidras to help me go to sleep, um, especially if my husband is traveling and we're in a new space. So that's been helpful for me. So I will end up having my phone close by and it is my alarm, but because I don't have any notifications on that screen and because if it's true we have any willpower as human beings 
or not. You know, some studies say no. Some studies say we have a little bit more in the morning. I do find that because I don't see a notification and also because I really look forward to the few things that I do that is not the phone. I think just by trial and error, I've noticed mornings that I've become ensconced in the world of the phone and I don't have time for some of the things that are so dear to me to do for self-care in the morning, I feel so much I feel so much more fatigued. I feel like I'm starting behind the eight ball. And so I have a strong um, reason for looking at the phone to see the time. I don't have any notifications there. So nothing is luring me in. Like that's pretty irresistible to have a notification. We all feel like we need to deal with it right here, right now. And sometimes we do. But because I don't, it's easier for me to turn it back over and then get on with the things that I do to make me feel my very best. And I felt very empowered yesterday, put, churning that phone over. And then when it was time for me to get back into email, when it was time for me to check notifications, I did. And I just want to offer a couple of other micro practices. This means you don't have to go to a studio. You, you don't have to do a formal meditation practice. You don't have to have a huge chunk of time, you could just have a transition of walking down the hall between one room and the other and breathe and practice gratitude and notice that your thoughts are full of what's next and what's next and that your mind is what's making you feel busy and decide to think instead of in this moment, what are you appreciating? You know, in this moment, the simple things can become huge gifts when we decide to take our mind there to the people that we love, when we decide to listen to a beautiful piece of music instead of mindlessly turning on the television. Again, not right or wrong, bad or good, just choices. Sometimes singing or chanting, if you're into Sanskrit, you know, it can shift the energy. It can start to feed you. And that's what Amy and I, we're really all about, you know, this podcast and our Radiant Year. And it's about infusing more life infusing more vitality and noticing in our day what we're doing and where our energy is going. I agree. I agree. How can we just really soak up all the moments? Because really that's all there is. We just have all these little moments and to not let them pass by without us noticing. Right here, right now, this is all we have. And so to close this podcast, we would just invite all of you to notice where you are right here, right now. Notice the way your body feels. Notice your breath. Notice what you see. And if it feels right, turn the mind's eye to what's going right and what you appreciate. And what can you do right now to feed and fan the flame of vitality burning within? No shame, no guilt, but just what's the next thing that you could do to offer yourself more life, to choose life? Mm -hmm. Choose life. <laughs> well, I love talking about our very similar days and we didn't even know. We are connected. This stuff works. It does. It really does. It's nice to see that everything that we practice serves us. And it feels good to walk our talk. Yeah, it does. It does. All right, my dear. I'll speak to you next week. All right. Bye. Love you. Love you. 
Thank you for listening to the Radiant Warrior Podcast. If you found it valuable, please leave us a positive review to help others find it. And please check out the Radiant Warrior Podcast on Instagram and Facebook to leave us your questions and find out where you can come and practice with us next.